Okay, episode 28 of the Bomber Brothers podcast is live, and Sean and Ryan are here with you as we continue through this slow-moving off-season, but there is a new transaction to report. It was shortly after we recorded last week, but we still need to give our reactions and touch on that, Sean, and that is the signing of DJ LeMayhew. So the Yankees do go over um, the luxury tax threshold, obviously not by much, but they do it for DJ LeMayhew, obviously not the infielder many people expected the Yankees to go over the threshold for, but nevertheless the Yankees do grab another infielder who will certainly help them on the defensive side in terms of at the plate. That's much more complicated, but uh, Sean, what's your reactions to uh, DJ LeMahieu heading to the Bronx? Um, he was told to bring a lot of gloves, and I think he was brought over to play defense, but he's a gold glove second baseman, and that's the only place in the infield where I think we have a reliable player in Torres, so that doesn't really make any sense to me. I'm not sure how this exactly fits in with what the Yankees are planning on doing, except it definitely adds another infielder to the crowded infielder mix and another infielder that's going to have um, uncertainty. With LeMahieu, I think it's just a matter of... Um, I don't know how he hasn't played third in two years, I think. Um, so I don't know if they're planning on moving Torres around or, or, or what the deal is here. He was told to bring a lot of gloves, but second base is the position he's most comfortable in. So I'm not sure how that helps the defense when he's going to be asked to play away from his most comfortable position very often. Yeah, his aside from a couple games here and there, second base has been his position since 2014. And obviously he's a great defensive second baseman, so given the shakiness of the Yankees infield right now, he probably could go over to first base and be better defensively than Voyer and Bird. But you're right, uh, judging by DRS, Glaber Torres is the Yankees' best infielder right now, especially with Gregorius on the shelf as it stands for the first half of next season. Um, Torres DRS, I think, is something like negative one, right around uh, league average, but that is the best in the infield because the rest of the infield defensively is very bad. And so the, I, I would assume if, if the Yankees don't make any other moves on the infield, I would assume that this means maybe they put Torres at shortstop to start next season, and LeMahieu can play second uh, for the first half of the season until Gregorius comes back, and then maybe they reassess once DD is cleared to return, and they figure out what the situation is at first base, because that's that's still a question mark, not just defensively, but is Luke Voigt a flash in the a flash in the pan or could he produce again next year is Greg Bird finally going to have a healthy season and if so can he post any kind of production like he did in 2015 or down the stretch of 2017 so there's plenty of question marks so it seems like a good insurance policy in the infield but for a utility infielder being used as an insurance policy it's a little I guess a little expensive when you just could have went and got a superstar instead to fill one of those infield spots. But again, LeMahieu is a tremendous defender, and considering how many uh, members of the Yankees pitching staff, both in the rotation and in the bullpen, considering how many of those are ground ball heavy pitchers, you need someone like LeMahieu's defense. So I 
that's a positive, but um, I'll let you touch on, on his bat to start off, but that's probably where my concerns would start when it comes to LeMahieu or anyone leaving Coors Field. Yeah, I mean, that's that's a good point, but at the same time, I, I don't, I still don't understand um, wh- how this helps the defense when his best position, the place that he plays strong defense, is blocked by Torres. When and it, it okay, I w- I would be able to buy maybe that um, maybe they're going to move Torres to short where he did not look good last year. But I mean, that whatever. is his natural position, though. I mean, he could have just had trouble adjusting there. after working at other positions for a while. Who knows? Okay, so all right, so let's say I buy that. But they they apparently promised Troy Tulowitzki he was going to play shortstop. Yeah. Like, so I still I don't understand how this I don't understand how this improves the defense because it's a clogged up. I mean, I guess you'll put him at third and assume he could just play third as well he could as he could play second and move Andujar to DH now. I mean, I, I don't know. And, and the same thing like people are saying you know to go to his bat like you asked me to do. Um, you know, he doesn't strike out a lot. He puts the ball in play. But at the same time, I, I mean, guys that put the ball in play a lot and don't hit a lot of power are subject to big, big swings. I mean, you saw that with him winning a batting title and then regressing last year, not not having a good year. It, it's it's mostly bat, it's going to be batted ball luck. And, and yeah, you know what? You see DJ LeMahieu come up with first and second. And you're like, oh, good. We got a guy that will put the bat on the ball. And then he grounds it to a double play and you'll be cursing him. But it, he put the bat on the ball. He didn't strike out. It's what you wanted him to do. Um, but he's not a big home run hitter. Maybe he could hit some oppo at Yankee Stadium over the right field porch like other guys have done. He has hit the ball hard. But, again, he's hit the ball hard at Coors Field. So I'm not too excited about his bat. Um, we'll see what he does. He's probably going to be – I mean – you know, a 270 singles hitter, 280 singles hitter. Um, that'll knock maybe 12 home runs, which, uh, I mean, okay. But when you have that and then an aging Brett Gardner probably in the lineup and an unknown in Troy Tulowitzki, there's a lot of lot of soft landing spots that we're creating in the lineup. And just to point out how um, underwhelming some of these additions have been so far, I just gave my – take on what the Yankees infield will look like next year having totally forgot the Yankees even have Troy Tulowitzki so that well uh, did you see the the cover of the daily news this morning no I did not I I don't read much of the daily news considering there's nobody left to read there anymore that that's fair but I mean Wally Matthews wrote a piece I think and um the the cover or the back cover said the bore for and that George Steinbrenner would be bored with the Yankees editions of um, LeMahieu, Tulowitzki, and old Tulowitzki, Britain, and Paxton, which I don't think is completely fair because I think Paxton is a great move, and oh, I yeah. think Britain is an interesting move with a lot of upside there. Uh, excuse me, but um, yeah, I, th- I thought that was interesting that that you said that, and that was the cover of the of the, of the Daily News today. I like that. that. That's that is a clever headline. Um, but yeah, like you said, DJ LeMahieu won a batting title, and I think what you detailed about his Hitting abilities kind of highlights how sometimes, you know, you, you don't strike out, you put the ball in play a lot. Sometimes you do get lucky over the course of a season. And DJ LeMahieu's batting average on balls in play in 2016 when he won that batting title was about 390. So was, was that just a season where he was finding holes a lot? And now you've seen the last couple of years, um, you know, 
the averages starting to even out? Probably. I know we've I've seen plenty of uh, detailed breakdowns by great baseball minds around the country talking about LeMahieu's um, exceptional hard contact percentage on, and how the issue is that a lot of those hard hard hit balls are on the ground. So sometimes those fine holes, sometimes they turn into double plays, like you just said. I guess. I guess the, um, I guess, I mean, I'm trying to stay, stay positive. That was one of our resolutions for this podcast. So, um, I guess a positive to take away would be you look at some of the Yankee, some of the bats that the Yankees have acquired recently, like a Didi Gregorius, like an Aaron Hicks, guys that can hit the ball hard, but then once they came to the Yankees, they were able to implement, uh, more effective launch angles and boom, now they're great hitters in the league and, the Yankees are going to sorely miss Gregorius for the first half of the season. Hopefully Hicks stays healthy, but maybe LeMahieu can be um, one of those stories. Who knows? Um, the only difference is Gregorius and Hicks were very young when that happened. LeMahieu is, I think, 34. So that will be a little interesting to see how that turns out. But um, again, just uh, another signing where you're just kind of meh about the whole thing and um yeah it's uh it's gonna be interesting to see how this infield plays out because like you said the Yankees did promise Tulowitzki or I guess not promise but they made it clear to Tulowitzki that he would be able to start at shortstop and now with LeMahieu there well where the hell do you put Glaber Torres who is the best out of all three of them and coming off an incredible rookie season so all of a sudden, things are going to get a little interesting in the infield. Does that mean that maybe the Yankees try DJ LeMahieu at third base and Andujar can possibly be involved in a trade for a guy like like Trevor Bauer? And um, I mean, that's something. No, can... not him, please. All right. Anybody? <laughs> I didn't. I didn't even mean to say Trevor Bauer. I was listening to the new Effectively Wild this morning, and they were talking about Trevor Bauer, so his name was in my head. But no, yeah, God, no. I, I meant to say Corey Kluber. Oh, thanks for I catching that. Um, but yeah, so. There were reports that there were still some talks going on with teams like the Padres and Reds for a three-way trade for Corey Kluber. And I think one of the reports said something like um, one of the teams was looking for a third baseman as part of the three-way trade. And, and then, of course, the bell star ringing like, oh, the Yankees have a third baseman. That would be a great trade chip to get a guy like Corey Kluber. So you would hope the Yankees would throw their hats in that ring if that were the case. I'd, I'd love that if the Yankees could um, could pull that off. And I, I mean, I think the dream scenario at this point is that they move they move Andujar and Sonny Gray to San Diego and, and and get Kluber. I mean, who would say no to that, right? If they could work that with with the Padres. I, honestly, I think a lot of Yankee fans would say no to it. Not that and, I'm one of them. But. And and then go out and sign Machado. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm not too hopeful that that's going to happen, but you, you know, I mean, that's uh, like I said, I'm not giving up on, on on what could be potentially great things until they're actually dead in the water, and nothing's officially dead yet. I mean, if they move Machado, all of a sudden, boom. I mean, if they move Andahar, all of a sudden, boom, you go out and get Machado. You go out and get Bryce Harper right now. He fits perfectly into into the lineup, and then you can play Lemayhew at third. Um, and trade Andujar and DH Stan. I mean, there you go. There's two two different avenues if you trade Andujar still to fill out that lineup. But without moving Andujar, I think the lineup is going to be too crowded because now 
I, I'm banking on Andrew Harp DHing quite a bit. I mean, maybe Tulowitzki will DH a lot too, and they'll move Torres around there. Um, but but we'll see. It's a it's a crowded infield. It's a crowded roster right now. But the problem is that the roster hasn't been crowded with impact guys. It's been crowded with uncertain guys. Right. And obviously, a guy like Machado would solve that. And um, oh. It's, again, pardon our listeners if I'm pausing, but like we said last week, we're trying to stay positive here. We're not going to, I know uh, the past few weeks have been a lot of um, frustrations being vented about how the Yankees are approaching this offseason, so I'm trying to steer things in a positive way. (laughs) But but of course, given uh, recent news about some of the contract offers to Machado, it's it's very hard to do that. I mean, are those... Uh, reports even true that's just been a circus in, a, in well, and of itself Machado's agent said what we've all we all say to each other is that Bob Nightingale is consistently wrong so um that is a I, fact I, I you know I I was surprised Buster only got looped in there he had he usually garners a lot of respect um you know around the baseball community so I was I was surprised by that but um yeah I mean it it, it seems to me that the that report was probably nothing but, you know, speculation or gibberish or, or a bad source. Because, I mean, if that really was Machado's offer, obviously I'd be like, oh, my God, the Yankees should get in on it. But at the same time, that would just make me really sad for the future of baseball. I, I don't want to believe that, that that is true. I could see it being true. but And that's it, the sad part is that I saw it and I believed Everybody it. believed it. Yeah, everybody everybody believed it because why wouldn't you at this point with the with the state of baseball but um i i think that it's probably i I believe machado's agent which is that there's been so much reporting and contradicting reports on what's going on that most of it has to be false i'm trying to think of what's behind that this has been a really weird offseason with um, some reporters with sources and uh, i mean has it gotten to the point where this offseason is just so slow moving and dull that um reporters feel inclined to report uh from you know sources they might not have always you know reported from or put as much weight on i don't i don't know but um, it's, it's definitely been weird um yet Heyman tweet out that his source said that the only in Nightingale reports were false, and then you had Machado's agent. It's it's just been weird. It's been a, a weird off season, uh, both sad and weird. And just last night, my I wrote my most recent article for Pinstripe Alley, and it was a list of potential alternate hobbies for fans to take up when 2021 <laughs> happens and there's no baseball to watch. And it's sad, but that really seems like where we're heading. Yeah, I um, I, I agree. That's. Uh... It's, it seems pretty inevitable now. Um, so what else happened since we last talked? Oh, the Yankees lowballed, um, lowballed, what's his face? Severino. Yep. So Yankees are going to arbitration again. If they don't muzzle, um, what's his face? Randy Levine. Randy Levine. I'm going to be very upset. Yeah. Um, Everyone, everyone avoided everyone arbitration except uh, except Severino, and I can't remember the exact figures, but they're they're uh, different. Eight hundred and fifty thousand dollars apart. It, that is the equivalent to the Yankees going to the store and buying a pack of cigarettes, I think. 
And um, well, yeah, for the for the guy that you pitched in the the do or die game back to back years, rode into the ground in the second half when it was so apparent he needed a rest. Um, and and uh, let's be honest, no matter what the issue is with Severino that they're going to bring up performance wise, they've all put the blame on themselves. Whether it be that he needed a rest or that. Uh, teams were stealing signs. That's up to the organization to figure that that out. It's not. It's not. Oh wow, we found some blogger that found something with that head movement thing. Like that was up to the organization to figure out. They they failed him. He didn't fail them. Um, he kept his velocity. He stayed in shape and everything like that. Um, and uh, you know, it, it's just ridiculous. And I could see it getting really nasty because, I, I mean, you know how how vile that Randy Levine or the Yankees could be at times to their to their own and, and they might bring up what happened in the division series against Boston with the with the, with the time, time issue <laughs> which is on Larry Roth's child yep. I mean he should be you know it's on the coaching staff like let the players prepare for the game mentally but like in terms of like I, I mean whatever I'm, I'm getting worked up about this as you can tell but the fact that they can't give their their ace or or their two Eight hundred fifty thousand more dollars, and are heading to arbitration is ridiculous. Yeah, uh, sorry, especially when you're only spending thirty six percent of your revenue on your payroll, the lowest percentage in the major leagues, or the second lowest. Like, ah, uh, well, spend our, some our resolution is crashing and burning right now. But honestly, the, we we take what we're given, and the Yankees have uh, been kind of annoying this off season in, in terms of a franchise. And I mean, look how stingy they're being with their homegrown best pitcher right now. And he struggled a little bit in the second half, but he still put his team in position to win in a do or die game in the playoffs, like you said this year. Not to mention, he was arguably, aside from you know like Degrom, he was arguably the best pitcher in baseball over the first half of the season. And the last half of last season, too. Yeah, he was a Cy Young, third in the Cy Young voting in 2017. So the fact that the Yankees are even letting this go to arbitration over less than $1 million is um, is quite alarming. Yeah, to say the least. It's it, um, it, it makes you worried for the years to come when it's not arbitration anymore and these guys need to be extended in their contracts. And oh yeah, I, I was like, oh maybe they'll and before arbitration they'll extend Didi, but yeah, who the hell am I joking with? No, nope. an injury like Didi's is the perfect opportunity for the Yankees to uh, lowball that one too. Yep. So yeah, that's it's not good. Um, so let's get this out of the way now because it's it's pretty upsetting. Um, I I guess everybody saw the news that. Um, John Wetland was, um, sexually, uh, assaulting a four-year-old is, is the report now. Um, obviously MVP of the 1996 world series, um, talked a good game about, about his religion and everything like that. Turns out it was all front. Um, and he's a scumbag. What, what did you think about this news? <laughs> Pretty much exactly what you just said. I, the most recent report i read was that it was a four to six year old and i mean regardless of whatever age in that range it is it's still despicable and disgusting um and that i think it said it was a family a family member too and this happened um over the course of a couple of years yeah, yeah when he was between four and six that's right yeah okay um 
and I think he was a pitching coach at the time. I think his playing career was over. Not that that matters at all. Um, but it's yeah, it's it's sad. It's disappointing. You never want um, a player of any team to be associated or any person in the world to be associated with something so heinous like that. And you feel for the kid and what and the effect it has on on his life. Um, but in terms of John Wetland and, and the Yankees, I think the course of action is pretty obvious. I, I think uh, I'm trying to like visualize my walk around the stadium, and they have those like photo galleries above all mm-hmm. the uh, concession stands of every year they won the World Series. And I think they have the picture of Wetland jumping in the middle of the pile after the last out. Take it down. Anything with John yeah. Wetland at Yankee Stadium should probably be taken down or should yeah, definitely I mean- be taken down. Yeah, I mean, here's here is from the Dallas News. Um, he forced a relative to perform a sex act on him, according to his arrest warrant affidavit, beginning in 2004, when the child was four years old. So he forced a four-year-old to perform a sex act on him and did it two more times over the next two years. That's just friggin' disgusting. I mean, I uh, just, yeah, just scrub him from, from the history books. Uh, my my solution is that you just show the Charlie Hayes catch and then show the pile where he's under it and you can't see him and Paul O'Neill's flipping over it. I mean, that's I, I don't yeah. want to look at that. That you know, I have that pride poster in my basement, which I've had since we were eight years old or I, nine yeah, years old when the Yankees won the World Series. I've had that you know for over twenty two years now, and it's yeah. I, I was down there yesterday. I was like, oh god, but yeah, just get you know. It's it's sick and it's a shame. There's between him and and Chad Curtis and Chuck Knobloch. There's been a lot of uh, a lot of real scum scumbags that were on the team in the in the late '90s and early 2000s. A lot of good people too, or people that we think are good. Because but you know, um, it's just a shame when people you grew up watching or that were you know so, somewhat important to you, uh, you learn you learn about that stuff. Yeah, and I mean, of course, the most important part about this is that. Um, the child comes out okay and that hopefully this helps him get some kind of uh, closure or Closer justice. And, and, yeah. um, but no, you're right. Um, to have those players who were such a fixture in some of our greatest Yankee memories, it definitely, at least I find, it definitely um, waters down reliving those memories. I mean, I just... I, I know you, me, and probably a bunch of other Yankee fans get sucked down the YouTube wormhole at work or in our free time sometimes, and you start watching those highlights from your favorite Yankee moments. And, I mean, so much of mine go back to 1996. And now it's, you know, I think about the last out in Game 5 of the World Series when he was on the mound and uh, O'Neill made the great catch against Luis Polonia, and then obviously the last out of the '96 World Series. Those just feel like highlights that I don't know if I could even. I mean, if I watch them anymore, it'll be great to uh, think back to when that happened and how great it was. But then you're also kind of cringe once you're like, "Oh, there's John Wetland on the mound." Now I know, like, who he is, and um, and then you mentioned Chad Curtis, the, those big home runs in the '99 World Series. Same thing. Chuck Knobloch, the game-tying home run in Game 1 of the 98 World Series. A lot of those big moments are hampered by guys who were just turned out to be horrible human beings. And it's sad, and it's not 
exclusive to the Yankees. Unfortunately, this happens all around baseball. Guys like Addison Russell, Rob, uh, Osuna, etc. So it's definitely a sad reality. Do you ever find it makes you a little more guarded when it comes to uh, you know idolizing and falling in love with some Yankees, knowing that just knowing that you you don't know much about these these people. Um, I like, you know what? No, it, it really doesn't. Like, I don't know. I, I mean, I think we're, we're at an older age now where we can perceive people a little bit better than we did when we were younger, but we still don't know. Um, but, but no, it, it really doesn't because I, I still want to believe in people and, and obviously stuff like that. Like, you know, if, um, I had a kid or something and, um, John Carlos Stanton was like, yeah, I'll go watch your kid for you. I, I wouldn't let him, but because he really is a stranger, but I would still like, you know, I still like not at that level, obviously, but you still can idolize them and, and, you know, and enjoy them and as people as, as well as ballplayers. And if it turns out that they aren't good people, well, I mean, that's true with like a friend too, right? Like if you have like an acquaintance that you don't know really that well, but you hang out with, you could find out something on him. It's not like you're going to shut yourself in from the world. You have to believe in the good in people sometimes. Um, and that that's kind of the way I feel about it. I mean, that's I don't know. That's just my opinion. What about you? No, I, I totally agree. I consider myself an optimist, and I I'm not going to let the actions of others affect how I uh, enjoy watching other players on my favorite team and players around the league in general. So um, I totally agree. But this is definitely a sad, sad story, and I'm definitely glad that it's been brought out into the light and that he will be uh charged accordingly yep that's that's the important part um okay how do you transition away from something like that you know yeah it's that, definitely tough that's tough um but you know speaking of uh, you know something i wanted to ask you i posted about it on twitter just you know going back to 96 somebody posted like when was the moment or baseball quotes or something when was the moment that you fell in love with 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 this oh, yeah. and it was just like baseball or something like that and for me what i posted on twitter was that it started in 96 with with that team and that run that's when i actually started watching baseball like and i'm starting to understand the rules and everything like that when i was eight years old turning nine and then the next year um mom dad and uh, grandpa smitty took us to our first game yankees red sox and we, you know, we, we get to the stadium, we went into the gate right under home plate and we went to the right, like right behind home plate and we're all underneath. And in the old stadium, you know, it's all like dark. And, and even though it's a day game, it's dark and cramped down there. Yep. And, uh, dad points to a ramp. And I mean, I was like nine years old. He's like, go walk up there and, and you know, check out the field. And I was kind of surprised because, you know, you're not used to going off on your own when you're nine years old, but he lets me walk up the ramp and, uh, I go up there by myself and, the whole field is right there, like this huge green field that I've only seen on TV, the World Series video and everything like that. Um, and it's a sight I'll never forget. And I remember looking and being like, holy crap, that's David Cohn, that, that's Derek Jeter. You know, like these are the real guys and they're hanging out and just, you know, watching, you know, taking BP and everything like that. And that was like kind of it. Like I always remember that. And that kind of made me understand why I didn't go to my first game till I was nine years old. Now I know obviously people go to their first game much older than that and stuff like that and i shouldn't be you know I, i'm grateful but um you know i had a lot of friends that had already went but um that that for me was the moment where it was like that became part of part of my life what about what about you what's what was your 
your defining moment of, yeah, this is more than a hobby. This is more than just something I like. Well, I feel like my Sorry if you is... can hear my dog growling in the background. No, I can hear him, but that's all right. Uh, that's that's Kimura. It's She's she's just had her ACL checkup yesterday. She's recovered <laughs> very well. And she's yelling very, very vocal about something. Good to hear that she's on the mend. Um, I guess, well, well, my earliest Yankee memory is Jeter throwing out Ripken to end the 96 ALCS. But, again, I was still too young to kind of, you know, I guess fall fall in love with with the Yankees um, at that point. And I, I have clear memories of that first game that you're talking about. But again, I was just, I think I had, I hadn't even, even turned seven years old yet when that happened. I guess like, oh man, I guess like the first, that's so hard because I feel like it was more of a gradual thing, like just becoming accustomed to watching the Yankees in the playoffs and the World Series every single year. So it just became ritual almost. But I think like a huge moment where um, you realize how much you care and how much it means to you was just how excited I got in uh, the 2001 World Series with the Brocious home run. That was probably some of the that was probably the craziest I had ever gone in terms of celebrating something and. Um, that definitely makes you realize because you can't plan a reaction like that because you have no idea a moment like that's coming. And then you see, then you take a step back and you're like, wow, I just like jumped up and ran around the room and screamed my head off. And, uh, with our other bomber brother. And, uh, yeah. So I, I would probably say that was the moment. That was the moment. That's yeah, that, that, that's fair. That That's a good one. That's, uh, yeah, that 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 was when that happened. I just remember thinking, like, this can't be real. Like, like, yeah. some, I don't know. Like, this <laughs> team is just like blessed that this would happen. And then, of course, you go from the ultimate high um, to the to the ultimate low. Unfortunately, uh, just a few nights later with the uh, Luis Gonzalez. Yeah, and, and again, I mean, we had, we had watched the Yankees win four World Series by the time that happened, and I just remember not. I just. I was upset, but it was almost like I've seen them win so many times and I'm pretty sure they're going to be back. And they were back in the World Series just two years later. And, man, you, you really you really realize how spoiled you were. The, I mean, we, we consider our first year of Yankee fandom and watching the Yankees 1996. So you, you figure the first seven years of us being Yankee fans, they were in the World Series for five of them. <laughs> That's uh, mm-hmm. that's pretty insane. Yeah, uh, definitely spo- spoiled out of our minds uh, with with the Yankee with the Yankees and the championships and and everything that went along with that for sure. All right. Well, um, what are you uh, what are you looking forward to this week? Can't be baseball related since there's literally nothing going on that has to do with baseball except drama and impending doom. Um, yeah, actually this is, and I'm going to take this, even though I didn't take it last weekend, this is my favorite, um, my, my favorite two non-baseball events when one of my teams aren't in it are the, um, championship games of, uh, the AFC and NFC, because you get two great football games, 
um, in the same day. And it's not like the kind of silly hype around the Super Bowl. You could just kind of relax and watch the games. And it's supposed to be terrible weather here in the Northeast. So it's perfect excuse to just sit inside and watch football all day. So I'm looking forward to that. I'll probably eat some terrible food and uh, you know, make a nice fire. Just watch two of the games and sit on the couch all day on Sunday. Um, by the way, my other favorite sporting event that doesn't involve any of my teams that isn't baseball related is definitely uh, the first weekend of March Madness. So well, I'm surprised you didn't say NHL playoffs. My, I mine, enjoy- would, mine would be Mar- my uh, first week of March Madness, like you said, and and the NHL playoffs would probably be my two. Yeah, I I enjoy that, but I'm just trying to think of something pretty condensed, like that first the first two days of March Madness when you have your bracket made and everything, yeah. <laughs> and, and and you get like the wild first round. It, it's awesome, and it's like you have games starting every 20 minutes. It's it's something I really enjoy. I love the NHL playoffs too. That would definitely definitely be third or fourth but yeah that that's true i mean the nhl playoffs is literally a two-month activity um but yeah in, in terms of something condensed uh non-baseball related definitely first week of march madness last year i drove down back home and watched uh watched with kyle we set up three tvs in the living room and we watched march madness from noon till eight o'clock at night i think or something like that and it was wonderful and then, uh, and uh, yeah, and then I guess to keep it more condensed, my other one would be the college football playoff. I'm definitely more of a college football than NFL guy, but I will still, I'm still looking forward to getting snowed in this weekend and watching um, the NFL playoffs. That would probably be what I'm looking forward to this week is just um, getting snowed in here at the house with uh, the work week over and nothing planned, and just watching. The NFL watching uh, some Better Call Saul and oh, and The Punisher comes is streaming on Netflix tomorrow. So that's another that's that's another one I'm looking forward to. So hey, it's a good weekend to get snowed in. There, there you go. That's that's looking on the bright side of things for sure. Um, yeah, that sounds sounds like we got some stuff to do while the frozen hot stove continues to stay frozen, most likely. But. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I think the Yankees still have a lot of a lot of different ways they could go uh, to fit Harper or Machado in. Um, I'm I'm just hoping one of them happens. Um, I keep waiting to see that the Yankees have emerged as, you know, in the Machado sweepstakes or something, but it ain't happening so far. No, no, it's not. It's not something I've completely given up on. Um, but. We will we'll see if next week brings any news, but at this rate, it's going to be a few weeks before there's anything to talk about. And once there is something to talk about, we'll have a guest on. But at this rate, you know, what's the point of bringing someone on when we are struggling to find things to talk about ourselves? And that's just how gloomy this off season has been so far. Well, I know some people have posted regarding. You know, the, I, I forwarded you last night the pinstripe prospects. Maybe we could talk about what's down on the farm, since since that'll always be there. So yeah. we could always we could always explore that as well. Yeah, that sounds good. So there there'll be things to look forward to, despite the lack of transactions going on in baseball right now. But thanks everyone again for listening, and we'll see everybody next week. And Sean and everyone else in the Northeast, stay safe this weekend and. Uh, Be careful out there on the roads. Absolutely. All right.